Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. God knowing that we're flawed, God says, look, I'm able to save to the uttermost. Those who come to God through Christ and he lives. He says 24 seven, I'm making intercession. That's our, yes, your defense attorney before the accuser of the brethren, 24 seven making intercession for you. That should never cause you to feel like you can continue the wrong way for a long way. That should remind us that God is merciful and gracious and has made provision for us. And so I can always come back and I should come right back to the Lord. In the story of the prodigal son, we learn that the son collects his inheritance from his father and goes out and wastes it all away. When he's got nothing left, he finds himself eating pig slop. In the end, he goes back to his father who receives him with open arms and takes him back. Today, Pastor Bill encourages you that if you're running from God, don't keep running. If you want things to end well, then turn back to God and He'll receive you with open arms. God doesn't want you to keep going down the path of destruction. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 33. As he continues his message, won't listen, can't hear. What was the message God gave Jonah? He said, Jonah, go tell them people 40 days and then judgment's coming. That was the message. And Jonah wasn't, Jonah didn't want them to get saved. He tried to, he tried to not go. When Jonah finally went, he didn't preach a compassion. Jonah didn't say, hey guys, the Lord is wanting to draw you. Jonah said, hey y'all, just hey, 40 days and judgment. God bless. That was it. Uh, he, he wasn't even, his heart wasn't in it. He didn't want them to repent, right? He just threw it out there. But you know what the Bible says? And it says that everybody repented. The, the, the king of innocent, he, he said, perhaps God will have mercy. He said, everybody fast. Don't even feed your animals. Everybody fasting. And when God saw that they repented, it, that was the biggest revival. It's the biggest revival in the Bible that God relented of the disaster that he said he was going to bring on them. There's another scenario over in um, Second Chronicles, I believe, 33 with Manasseh. Uh, Manasseh was is arguably one of the worst kings. His dad was a godly king, Hezekiah. Manasseh was just a jerk. And as soon as he took over, it says he seduced the people to worship foreign gods. And so it says God spoke to him and it says that he wouldn't listen. So God came and said, hey, bro, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but God spoke to him about what he was doing wrong, but he wouldn't listen. And then it says God allowed the Assyrians to come down and take him captive with a hook in his nose and bronze fetters on his arms. And when he was in captivity, when he was hurting, then it says, then he knew that the Lord was God and he repented and God delivered him and let him live out the rest of his time. God delivered him from that. I thought, wow, he should have listened when God spoke the first time. And that's how some people are. They don't hear until they got a hook in their nose and, and handcuffs on their wrist. But um, but it was the, the, the thing was God was going to do something. He didn't do it when there was repentance. The last thing, Hezekiah, who was one of the godly kings, but he got prideful at a point. And the Bible says that the judgment of God loomed over Hezekiah and all the people. Interesting thing with Hezekiah is God never warned him. God never came and said, Hezekiah, your pride is going to bring destruction upon you. It just says Hezekiah just repented. He, he realized what he, he realized that, that, that he had become prideful and he just repented. There was a sensitivity in his heart to the Lord. And when he repented, it says, then God relented of the judgment that he was going to bring. So as I look at Saul here, bad as it is, messed up as he was, there was still a remedy for Saul. And there's always a remedy for you and me and it's repent. Amen. 
And everybody you know that's going to hell needs to repent. Everybody you know that's not going God's way, the answer is they need to repent. Turn from to, from sin to God and, and receive his forgiveness and mercy uh, that only can come through Christ. So that word repent is important. People don't like it today. Church people don't like it. This is repent is a harsh word. But you know what? It works. And there's nothing else that'll do what repentance will do. There's nothing else that will bring about the results that repent will bring about. So don't be shy or ashamed to use that word. Amen. It's the remedy when people get way off there like Saul is here. So let's move on now. Um, so Saul has called for a medium that he might inquire of her. They found one in indoor verse eight. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes. He took off his king clothes and put on other clothes and he went and two men with him and they came to the woman by night and he said, please conduct a seance for me and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. And again, I want you just to think of how sad this is. Saul has got to go at night. Uh, he brings a couple people with him. He's disguised himself. Now, remember, he was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. So I don't know if he had to hunch down, got a hoodie on. And he definitely took off his king clothes. He doesn't want her to recognize who he is. And so he's going down in secret to see if he can get this witch. Uh, but to get her to bring up somebody for him. And, and this is what the mediums would do. They would bring up the dead. And so I want to talk to my dead mom or my dead grandma. I want to bring someone back. And it's arguable. We'll talk about it just a moment. There's a lot of controversy and a lot of opinions about what happens here. I'll give you mine. I'll give you the others as well. Verse nine. Then the woman said to him, look, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? So she says, y'all know Saul put a death threat on us. He killed a bunch of us. So why y'all, you know, why are you putting me out there like that? I don't, you know, you put my life in jeopardy. Probably this woman was performing seances for the locals, the people that she knew. But these are some out of she don't know them. And so she's a little leery of it because, it, it, you know, you could die for this. Um, Saul has already killed most of us. Uh, verse 10 says, and Saul, now this is I want you all to read this low with me. Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. So Saul is talking to a, you know, a medium and swearing to God that he's not going to punish her for doing this. That's the irony of this. It, I mean, to swear by the Lord that he won't punish someone that God had commanded you to kill. She's supposed to be you. God had already. That's a condemned woman sitting there. But because she's sitting before an, a disobedient king, she 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 lives under normal circumstances. Saul should have took her out. And here we see again the ah, the sadness of a life that's not given over to the Lord because Saul had all kind of energy to pursue the life of David, who he should not have been pursuing. And now Saul is standing before a woman that was she should have been condemned. She should have died. Right. She should have been put out from Israel. And he's going to say, hey, can you can you do something for me? I need something from you. Can you imagine that? And I want to just say this, you guys, as God's kids, we want to be careful about going to the world looking like we need something from them. When in reality, they need what we have. And so often that's what the church can look like. That's what Christians can look like. We can be so enamored with people and their stardom or whatever, where you got Christians gawking after people like they're gods because they can dribble a basketball 
or they acted in some movies and they're not even going to heaven. They don't even know Jesus. And we're going after them like 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 they have all the answers. Like I need what you have, some of your money, some of your fame, some of your stuff. And God's like, you have everything in Jesus. If they die today, they would give everything for what you have. And we got to keep that perspective. It's a perspective that requires faith. Because I might be looking at somebody saying, it looked like he got a lot of things I don't have. But in, in reality, if he's not a believer and I am, I have everything. And, and he has nothing. Because uh, if we both die, uh, no matter how much you have when you die, how much can you take with you? Not a dime. Um, you don't get to go to the night. It's not like a cool place in hell because you was a millionaire. You know, I got ACs down there. Nope. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, everything is left here. And, and I, I wonder sometimes if, if in the unseen realm, they look at the things that we go after. If this is just such a facade that people are living for, chasing after, going after things where, where none of it will matter for eternity. None of it will matter. We got to be so careful of getting caught up and wrapped up in that. And so it's really a sad picture here that Saul is seeking this medium. And he wants her to bring up Samuel for him. Um, and so he swears to her that uh, by the Lord that nothing's going to happen to her. Verse 11 then the woman said, whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, bring up Samuel for me. Verse 12, when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul saying, why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. Interesting here, right? It almost makes you wonder if I believe that God has done something here, right? Um, she's asked to bring up Samuel, but when he shows up, she cried out. She, oh, oh what was like, like, like she wasn't expecting this. Like this, this doesn't normally happen. Normally I, I do some googly gop, you know, I'm, 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 I'm playing games with y'all, but actually somebody showed up this time. She looks, she, she looks shocked, right? This is, if this is what you do, it wouldn't be a shock. You'd be like, all right, that's, yep, there it goes. Right there he is. I called him up. But this, it looks like this is not the norm. And maybe it was something that she didn't expect she cried out with a loud voice, and then it hit her when she saw Sam. She said, you're Saul, and she knew that she'd been tricked. Um, verse 13, and the king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? This lets me know that whatever it was, she was seeing it, but not Saul. And Saul, could, Saul saw her, he saw her reaction, how she cried out. He said, what do you see? He's asking her, tell me, what do you see? And then, and then interesting, Saul tells her, don't be afraid. Dummy, big dummy. He afraid. That's why he's there. He said, don't, don't be afraid. What do you see? So she looked terrified. And but Saul wants to know what it is that she is seeing that he is not seeing. And the woman said to Saul, I saw a spirit ascending out of the earth. And he said to her, what is his form? And she said, an old man is coming up and is covered. He is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? So let me talk about a few things in the Old Testament before Christ. When believers died, they went where paradise, Abraham's bosom, the compartment where yeah, there was a separation between paradise and those that were in torment. Uh, we learn more about that in the, the story of the rich man and Lazarus as Lazarus went to paradise and the rich man was in torment in the flames. And so there's a distinction here, but there's, that was the realm of the dead before 
Christ died and rose from the grave. It was after he died and rose from the grave where to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, and so Samuel says, why did you disturb me by bringing me up? And there's and I hear go the different views, right? There are some that believe this is all demonic hocus pocus that you really can't bring up the dead. And so this woman is envisioning this. It's, it's really demonic and it's, it, you know, just, she's being deceived. I don't necessarily ascribe to that view for a few reasons, one of which is in a moment, Samuel is going to prophesy. And I believe that God is the only one that can know the future with that sort of certainty. Um, and so this would appear this is an unusual occurrence. This is not a normal thing. The normal course of life is Hebrews 9:27, which says it's appointed to man once to die. And after this, the judgment. However, there are instances in Scripture where y'all know God is sovereign. And there are times where God does things that this is not the norm, but God did it there. Um, when Jesus rose from the grave, y'all know what happened in the graveyard? People woke up. There was some real dead walking type stuff going on. That's not the norm. We don't expect to see that today, but it's, it happened. It says it happened. It appears to me here that God is in, in final judgment to Saul. God said, man, you done stoop to go to a medium. I'm going to bring up Sam, Samuel to give you your last prophetic words. It'll be the last thing you hear is about how you're going to die or the fact that you will die by tomorrow. Um, this is not what he wanted. You know, he wanted relief. He wanted a promise. He wanted to know he was going to win. He wanted some good news. But he's called up Samuel. And uh, again, verse verse um, 15, it says, Samuel said, why be disturbed me by bringing me up? And I guess if I was in paradise, I'd be like, man, what's, why are you bothering me, man? Leave me, leave me alone. You know, and Saul answered, I am deeply distressed for the Philistines make war against me and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. Interesting here. Saul is saying, look, God has departed. He won't speak to me neither by Urim or Thummim or prophet or any of these things. And, and, but then he would call up Samuel. Like, as, as Samuel's always been God's guy. And, and to, to think that Samuel's going to be able to do for him something God wouldn't do is, is interesting. It's just, it just speaks to Saul's desperation. And again, I look at Saul and I think how sad that a man that all he needed to do was obey the Lord when he had a chance. All he needed to do was repent when he, when he needed to repent. But he's, he's continued to go his own way. Verse 16, Samuel said, so why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? Think about that for a minute. The Lord has not only departed from you, he's become your enemy. That's if, if there's something to fear that I'd be afraid of that. I don't ever want God to be an enemy to me. I, I want him to be my friend, my savior, my Lord, my God, my dad, my everything. But I don't ever want there to be terms where I'm an adversary to the Lord. How did Saul become an adversary to the Lord? Disobedience, rebellion, not listening, not obeying. Remember that. I, I want to be the friend of God. Amen. I like the Israel Hooten song. I'm, I'm a friend of God. That's what I want to be. And not, not his enemy, but that's where Saul is. That, those, are, those are harsh words that not only he's departed from you, he's become your enemy. Verse 17, and the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me. So Samuel's reminding him, God, this is exactly what God said. I told you when I was alive that God was, you know, he, he was departing from you and was going to give the kingdom to someone else. This is exactly what God spoke to you by me. 
for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, David. Verse 18, this is why. Why did all this happen to Saul? Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath, his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Why has all this happened to me? Because you rebelled against the Lord, because you didn't listen to the Lord, because you did not obey his voice. Verse 19, here goes the prophetic part. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. Now I got a question for you. So if this, presuming, I believe this is Samuel speaking. I believe it's prophetic because it happens. He says, tomorrow you and your sons, y'all gonna all die. Y'all gonna be with me. Now, some wonder, does that mean Saul went to heaven? Samuel said, you're going to be with me. Does that mean that Samuel and his sons, or that Saul and his sons went to heaven? Now, we know Jonathan was a believer, but what about Saul? Just for fun, can I throw that rock out there? Tomorrow, Samuel says, who's in where he's at, uh, tomorrow you'll be, you, you and your sons will be with me. Where is that? In the afterlife, in the next realm? I believe that it's, he's saying you'll be with me in the realm of the dead. I don't necessarily believe there are people debate this. You know, where, where does Saul end up at? Where did he go? None of us are the judge. It would appear from everything we see in his life that and how his life ends, it would appear that Saul didn't make it. That it doesn't ever appear that there was repentance uh, and forgiveness and restoration and healing he looks like his life has been a long rebellion and at the end, the worst rebellion. And the last thing you do before you die is to go to a medium and conjure up Samuel from the dead so he could tell you that you and your son's going to die tomorrow. Now go to bed. And uh, it says in verse 20, immediately Saul fell full length on the ground. So, uh, uh, so to be clear, I believe when Samuel says tomorrow you, you, you and your sons will be with me, he's speaking of in the, you'll be with me in the realm of the dead. Uh, this is not a promise that Saul will be in paradise, but you'll be dead tomorrow is what he said. Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him for he had eaten no food all day or all night. Um, so Saul hadn't eaten. Saul was, I don't know if he was fasting or he was just disturbed enough where he wasn't eating, but there was no strength in him. It says, and the woman came to Saul and saw that he was severely troubled and said to him, look, your maidservant has obeyed your voice. And I have put my life in my hands and heeded the words which you spoke to me. Now, therefore, heed also the voice of your maidservant and let me set a piece of bread before you and eat that you may have strength when you go on your way. So Saul is in such a pathetic state that this medium is saying, man, please get, let me, let me give you something to eat. You need to eat something. Are you going to just, let me give you something to eat and then you can be on your way. Uh, but she's like, you, you eat up, eat, get something to eat and drink and you got to get on out the road, man. You, you, you scared, you're scaring me here. And uh, verse 23, but he refused to eat and said, I will not eat. So his servants together with the woman urged him and he heeded their voice. Then he arose from the ground and sat on the bed now the woman had a fatted calf in the house and she hastened to kill it and she took flour, kneaded it, baked unleavened bread from it. She also brought it before Saul and his servants and they ate. 
So they arose and went away that night. I want you to see how sad this is. Saul has his last supper with a medium who should have been dead after seeking her to do a seance. His last meal is provided to him by essentially a witch, a medium. She provides him a meal. He eats it with her and the two clowns that went with him. And he gets sent his way. And he's been, all he knows is tomorrow you're going to die. I want you to imagine the, the terror and the unrest and the unpeace of just being told tomorrow is going to be over for you and your sons dying tomorrow. And it's getting sent your way. I mean, I look at this and I think this is a sad, sad, sad way for Saul's life to end. And I would point out this to us. Uh, so I did want I want to end this on a grace point because uh, it's been pretty harsh. So Saul's entire all of this has happened to Saul because Saul would not turn back to the Lord. Saul never repented. He never turned back. Uh, he never got things right with the Lord. And so his life ends like this. We said already the remedy would have been for Saul to repent at any point. Turn back to the Lord and repent. Uh, there was never that moment. There was never the moment where Saul was broken and repented and turned back. Here's what I would encourage us with. As I look at Saul, as I look at his ongoing uh, rebellion and disobedience, um, this is what I was reminded of earlier. And I, I'll close with this for us. Because I, I read this and I think, man, God, we're flawed. You know, we mess up. Uh, and there's two things you want to take. One, don't be in continuous rebellion to the Lord. You need to keep short accounts with the Lord. Don't let the fact that you're human be an excuse to, to be going the, the wrong way for a long way, right? When you realize, when God's spirit convicts you, when you realize, oh, that's the wrong thing, bring that back. Repent, keep short accounts. And then be reminded of this in Hebrews 7.25, it says, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. And for those that are truly born again, those that truly belong to the Lord, God knowing that we're flawed, God says, look, I'm able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Christ and he lives. He says 24 seven, I'm making intercession. That's our, yes, your defense attorney before the accuser of the brethren 24-7 making intercession for you. That should never cause you to feel like you can continue the wrong way for a long way. That should remind us that God is merciful and gracious and has made provision for us. And so I can always come back and I should come right back to the Lord. Amen. So in closing, uh, and this is just the application point. If you find that, man, I'm struggling to hear God on something. I would really encourage you to press in. If Is there somewhere where God is already speaking and you've gone tone deaf and you need to, you need to clue back in. We want to listen to the Lord where he's speaking to us. Uh, and then we can, we can go to the Lord with the stuff we want to hear. But whatever God has spoken, let's make sure that we obey, that we keep short accounts, that we have a sensitive spirit, that we listen to his voice when he speaks. I don't want to end up in a place where I can't hear because I wouldn't hear. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples in your word, good and bad. And these are bad examples. God, they're examples of what we don't want to do. And so, God, I pray you would teach us through these. Uh, God, may we may our understanding of this cause us to be quick to repent when we're wrong, quick to come back to you when we've strayed. 
Um, God, that we would listen when you speak, that we might continue to hear you with greater clarity. And so, God, we thank you for your word tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them, rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.